Welcome to Layout. Layout is a show about design, technology, and everything else. This week, we are joined by Ryan Asan, designer at Figma, who's here to tell us about some of the improvements that they're making to comments. It's a really good time. Uh, we have a great conversation. I think you're going to enjoy it. This week's episode is sponsored by Play. Play is the first native iOS design tool, and they are releasing more invites to their product. So go check them out at createwithplay.com. And now, let's get to the show. If y'all bear with me, I go on a tangent real quick. I promise I'll bring this back. <laughs> um, you know, when you like in the Matrix, the movie, uh, okay, you're taking us introducing... further than I thought you would. <laughs> Please bear with me. You know, the new Matrix is, is coming. I've, it's been on my mind. Uh, this this character named Morpheus is introduced, and it's like being hyped a lot. This mentor character is being introduced by other characters, but you never see him. And it's just like this Morpheus. Oh my God, this legendary Morpheus. Yes, yes. And then finally, when you meet Morpheus, like. It's been hyped so much, you, you can feel the gravitas of this character. I feel like Ryan is our Morpheus. We keep talking about Ryan. like He's been operating in, in the background, in the shadows, and it's been, uh, he's an incredible designer. He's at Figma right now. Uh, and we, we talked about you when we had, um, uh, when we talked to, uh, about Fig Jam, remember that? Yeah. And, and we, we mentioned you there. Uh, and then, you were everyone's savior uh, when you 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 helped bring the update the the icon Figma's app icon on the Mac. Thank you. <laughs> anyway, I've been talking for a while. Sorry, Ryan. Welcome to the show. Hi. Hi. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah. Like I, I I definitely feel like uh, you know I've known you both of you for like so many years now, especially like online. Like like Kevin, I remember looking at your portfolio site like a billion years ago being like oh uh, shit this is cool um, um so nice. yeah it's a it's very nice just like finally speaking face to face yeah same yeah i also remember i feel like like yeah like a lifetime ago you were often like tweeting like random explorations you were doing mm -hmm. and like little prototypes and every time i would be mind blown of like oh my gosh this, this guy is so smart <laughs> oh so i definitely like think about like uh there was like a, a a period where i was just like tweeting out like every small like idea or project and that's definitely like cooled um but uh yeah like it, i remember there was like someone that i used to work with who like talked about like what do you want to be known for um and i feel like like that's like a thing that like i've talked to like a bunch of people about and i feel like i don't want to be known for like tweeting about design or like here's how you should design or like be a design thought leader in, in any way. Um, but I'm very happy just like being in the corner, like making my things, like, you know, enjoying the work itself. Well, actually, uh, we weren't planning on, on going there, but what do, what do you want to be known for? Yeah. I, I know. I'm I know. curious. I feel like that was a great setup. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's really hard to answer like directly, but I know I really enjoy working on tools. Um, and part of the motivating thing is like, it's kind of, it's, it's like meta of like, you can both selfishly think about like, how do you yourself as an individual want to work? Um, but hopefully also think about like, 
how do groups of other people or how do you know a large number of people like also create things like um you know like like over time and part of it is like selfish right like oh i want to do better work or make better things and so like i need the tools to be able to do that um right and so from dropbox paper or like figma like i think both of those are instances where you know i'm like honestly like dissatisfied of like oh like i want more um I, i want things to be more powerful i want better prototyping tools i want you know everything um and working at these places is like a way to like get there that's that's fascinating <laughs> and i sometimes i i do struggle with uh i want to do the work i want to make the thing yeah or at least be involved in it and but also i want to make something that is meaningful and sometimes reach is part of what why it makes it meaningful right to to achieve that reach maybe you have to work at a bigger company bigger products but then your own impact gets diluted mm-hmm. so it's like which where's the sweet spot of like i want enough reach that i feel like my work is meaningful and you know it's it's contributing to the world whatever yeah. at the same time i want to you know yeah have impact and it, i personally never worked at a big company like big as in you know it's always bigger but mm-hmm. definitely not a, never a big company netlify was the biggest in uh, when I left, we were around 200 people. Oh, wow. Um, so, yeah. So, like, I never worked at Apple or, like, you know, Figma, is, I feel like, is huge. Maybe not by a headcount. Yeah, how big is Figma? Um, I think, so, we have somewhere around 20-ish product designers. And then, I think the entire company oh. is in the high 400s, I think. But I, I'm honestly not the best person to ask. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. Just like general. I asked the question and immediately regretted it because every yeah. time someone asks me, I'm like, I don't know. It's so like hard. it's just, yeah. it's just grow, growing so fast. Any anytime you have a number like people or like it used to be when we were in an office, how mm-hmm. many people are in the office? It's like I would say the same number for six months and then it exactly. would be totally outdated. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, it's hard to keep track. Yeah. But yeah, it was kind of interesting what you're saying, Rafa, of like, do you want to have a lot of impact on something smaller or have a smaller impact percentage wise on something bigger? Right. And I feel like whichever way you go, you know, there's pros and cons of of both sides, but there's not really a right answer there. I mean, I think another lens is like um, influence. And so like, like, I, I don't think I'm personally super motivated by, like, oh, like, millions of people are using, the, like, this thing, and therefore it's good. Um, but I do think, like, hey, like, software, or, like, any anytime you design an interface, it's, like, it has, like, a half-life of, like, it's probably going to be irrelevant in, like, five years. If you're, if it's really, like, stale, like, maybe 10 years. Um, and, like, I, in some ways, I'm sort of, like, jealous of, like, industrial designers, because you can kind of make a chair and then like people hundreds of years from now can sit on that same chair and, you know, respect it for what it is. Um, but with interfaces, it always feels like, Hey, like, I don't know if this product or this company is going to be the thing that like is relevant 50 years from now. Um, but at least through, um, people of like seeing, um, you know, folks like grow and like do more interesting work or through, like the influence of the tool itself of like either people using that tool and making something better or um, people taking aspects of like how this product solved a problem 
and like being like, hey, like that was really smart. I'm going to copy it in my product. Um, and that sort of can kind of live on. Um, and I feel like that's like a thing that feels like um, much more like communal of like, hey, like it's not mm-hmm. about, you know, uh, trying to like design the perfect feature for all and all eternity. But like, you know, when you are, you know, retiring of like thinking about like, oh, like does the state of software feel like it's in a better place than it was, um, you know, at the start. Right. I think that's like the, my, the holy grail for me. Yeah. Like that's the, having that, like your work, having that second life by someone else taking it and, you know, remixing it, using it, copying it, whatever it is like that. That's what we all, I don't know. I think that, that that's what like reminds me of, like, like you said, the sense of community, Mm-hmm. We kind of, you know, right now I, you know, working for Figma, there's definitely a big impact in the design community since we use the tools. And I feel like tools have that extra layer of like influence a little bit. And even further, you have platforms like you know, if designers at Apple is gonna they're gonna redesign iOS, guess what? Right. <laughs> Every other designer on the planet is gonna somehow be inspired or or work on top of that. Uh, but yeah, it's that like I don't know the people who design Honk. I never use that app. I used it when it came out. It was fun. But still, today, it's installed on my phone, and I like, go check it every, now, every once in a while to, like, how did they do this? Because it's such an interesting, fun, just great design that you can't help but, like, you can't ignore it, right? It's part of it. <laughs> so I don't want to go back to, like, oh, the pull to refresh because that's just, you know, such a rare and special uh, example. But, like, yeah, a pull to refresh. I think that's what everyone, every designer uh, somehow strives for uh, maybe maybe not at least i do yeah. yeah i do love the idea of when you're designing something yes you're solving a specific problem but you're also contributing to the broader language of interaction design and mm-hmm. maybe you're moving you're you're helping move things along in a certain in a certain direction that like you're having uh, what may seems like an inconsequential impact on something but over the long run, you're you're helping sort of popularize certain ideas or certain ways of of approaching something that they themselves do have a broader impact on on the landscape as a whole. That's that's really interesting. I never really totally. thought about it in that way. That's why I keep I can't help it, but like every new product I'm designing or working on, like yes, we need buttons. Yes, buttons <laughs> are solved, but you know, let's. Let's give it a shot. What else can we do with a button? Like you know, most of the time will be just like any, any other button. But like, yeah, don't don't settle. Like you know, it's it can be fun. Like the, the, you know, it's a different world now than five years ago. Like last time we worked, you try to solve this problem. You're different. Maybe this time something will be different. Um, it's part of the appeal of like Superlist and the whole thing. Like yeah, yeah, productivity tools, we got it. But like, but maybe you know, new take, new ideas. Like what else can we do? So yeah, I mean, it was the same thing that happened with Slack, right? Like, you know, a chat tool for people (laughs) uh, was a very, you know, to most people a solved problem. And then Slack came along and kind of like reimagined what that could be. This week, we are sponsored once again by Play. Play is the first native iOS design tool and they're releasing more invites to their product. Um, This tool is built for product teams to experience their designs as they created directly on their device. So uh, you can take 
full advantage of native iOS features uh, that you can't find in any other design or prototyping tools. So for example, I was working on a design with Play the other day uh, that needed some uh, date pickers. And so I'm able to very easily put in a date picker that shows the native experience of how real users are going to experience that in my design. And I can do that super quickly and easily and really get a feel for what the real experience is going to be like. Um, if you're designing a mobile product, you should absolutely learn more about Play because it probably is the right tool for you. Uh, and I'd recommend specifically their Twitter account. They have lots of great tips and techniques in there of how you can use Play um, to its full extent. So they show you how you do modals. Um, they also have you know examples of how you can um, create with interactions. Uh, you can create tab bars that are fully interactive. Um, there's tons of great content out there for how to make the most out of play. And it's a, a really intuitive design tool like no other. And as I mentioned before, it is the very first one that is built for iOS natively. So go check it out. I'll have a link to some of my design explorations I've been playing with in the show notes. Uh, and we'll also have a link where you can sign up uh, and get an early access account to get a chance to play with play. Uh, our thanks to them for sponsoring this week's episode of Layout. I mean, and I think, I guess, like, you could also apply the same thing with Figma, like, design tools, don't we have a lot of these? Right. <laughs> uh, and I was like, hey, it turns out, you know, when you come in with a very different set of ideas for how a thing could be, you can, you can go in really di interesting directions. Yeah. For right. example, Figma has comments, but, like, you know, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we can do something here <laughs> <Maybe> better. <laughs> anything. Segway. <laughs> And that's a thing that never really was mm -hmm. in any design tool or like, or maybe, sorry, maybe any is the, the wrong word, but like in incorporating comments into the same surface where you do work yeah. seemed like that was a kind of a novel idea. Yeah. Like when we were sort of looking for inspiration of like, hey, how do other people, you know, solve this or like, are there other products that do this really well? Um there, there are lots of products that have like a 2D canvas with comments in them, but they generally aren't meant for like a lot of volume of comments um, or they're like, mm -hmm. like tied to like a case like video production where the primary anchor is like X, Y plus time. Um, right. And so with a lot of the comments UI, we were taking inspiration less from you know our peers of like oh like you know what does sketch do or what does framer do or what does xd do and more like i spent a lot of time just looking at maps and like you know hmm. how how do they render pins what trade-offs do they make there um, one of the engineers on the team had actually worked on like other mapping pins kind of like in like in the past um and so yeah there was definitely like a lot of like collection there of like what trade-offs do we make around what to show um, when, especially since you can infinitely zoom in and out, you can have things completely, mm. you know, off screen. Um, and then there's also like the component of uh, uh, 
multiple people can be looking at this at the same time. Um, and so, for example, like, you know, there's a huge difference between you opening a file and seeing there's 50 comments there versus you're in a, like a live, you know, working session and people are commenting as you browse around. And so there's a bunch of like animation details there that, um, you know, basically like call attention to like the things that have happened recently. Um, and let you preview them without having to click on everything. I now that you mentioned maps, now I can see it. Yeah, when you have a bunch of pins and then you zoom out, they all get grouped, right? That's 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 very common in maps interface. But hey, we're doing a really bad job at introducing this. Um, <laughs> we, we're we're here, <laughs> Ryan. Part of the reason why you're here today, um, a, you're a friend and we want to talk to you. But but b, you just recently. Um, I think you shipped, uh, yeah, but like announced a new and improved comments in Figma. And there's a bunch of little improvements. You just mentioned a couple already. Um, we're going to put links in, in the show notes for both the, the, the announcement blog post, but also your really good thread, Twitter thread of, of like little design details. We love those guys. <laughs> um, but I want to start by just, uh, Talking about the release itself, mm-hmm. like because we've you know in the old school software releases you had big releases you know like Figma two, <laughs> Figma three or right. whatever, um, and we've you know the internet that stopped making sense. We don't have those releases anymore. It's just way more incremental. Uh, so much so that you know Figma is very incremental and it's always like it feels like every week there's like something new. Um, but this particular thing, it felt like. It's not like you hold on or hold off until you had more stuff, but it's a pretty substantial release. It's not like, oh, we've updated the UI in comments. Oh, now you can do a, a little selection, you know, area, common area. Um, it was a pretty big release for, you know, for a small release. It was pretty big release, you know. <laughs> yeah. um, why, why did you all decide to, to do it that way this time? Yeah, definitely. We were definitely experimenting with like, the release process here a bit. Um, and it, it, it's actually interesting hearing you say that, oh, it feels like there's updates every week because at least to my eyes, like from the internal side, like every one of those projects like has like a long sort of like bake time. Like, you know, sometimes it's it's a month, but sometimes it could be years of work that go into a, a, like, a like a new thing um, and like waiting until it feels like the right moment or it feels like fully baked. Um, and so it, it, like, it feels like the company always has to just like invest in like, hey, here are the new things that we don't know, like when they will be ready, but these are the things that we believe will be important, um, in the future. And with comments, like even before I joined the company, there were like efforts to make comments better. And there was a lot of research into here are the problems people have. And a lot of those were like, you know, designers, I feel like are very good at being explicit about like this part could be better and here's how I want it to be better. Like we get, you know, fully. Here's a mock-up. We get, <laughs> yeah. We get mock-ups of like, here's exactly how it should work, but also like case studies of like, here's, here's how I would, you know, fully like rethink it. And, and that's amazing. And it's like really helpful. Um, but yeah, like I think that the, the, for like various reasons, it's like, Oh, organizationally or because like the, the team wasn't quite there or like the, the, the feature wasn't fully kind of like, like there. Um, like the timing didn't work out. Um, and it was only until pretty recently where we had like all the pieces and like the air cover to like be like, hey, we're going to like focus on this. Um, 
And the way we did it was like, I think unlike an editor feature where like, hey, like, you know, one person can use it and like try it out and see like, hey, can I, can I figure this out and make the most out of it? Um, with collaboration features, you really need like everyone on the team to like use it together to understand like what it's mm -hmm. actually like. Um, and so like, we, you know, we definitely had like lots of mocks of like, here's what we hope this feature feels like and what people like how people will use it. Um, but early on, it was kind of started with like technical prototypes of like, uh, like you would not believe how, how like, like janky some of these are, but like we would just turn things on for ourselves. Um, and it would be like a, you know, crude face floating around and we could test out like, Hey, how does it feel to really just have faces instead of numbers on the canvas? How does it feel to have them visible um, by default rather than being hidden by default? Um, and testing all of those changes and kind of putting the risky ones up front meant that we could be like, Hey, like we feel convicted that this is the right direction. Even, even though we know that not everyone will love these choices, um, but that, that we believe that these are like the right ones. Um, and from there, you know, we just went through this like constant cycle of, you know, testing internally for quite a while, but also testing with, uh, you know, designers and design teams and uh, with Figma, like I, I think relative to other places I've worked, people are just really eager and excited to try out um, like new features. And so we had like a small pool of teams that, you know, first it was like an hour and like they tried it out for like an hour, gave lots of feedback. Um, and then, you know, after a little bit more iteration, we, you know, turned it on for like their teams for like a little while, let them have it for like, you know, a month or two and gather feedback there. And we were like, you know, every week, like, you know, talking to them, um, you know, making changes, iterating, kind of just trying to like fix their immediate issues as quickly as we could. Um, and so the feature was just like getting better, you know, every single week. Um, and there was a moment where we were trying to decide like, hey, like, should we release a smaller version of this feature? Um, or should we wait until we have like a little bit more um, sort of fleshed out across the board? Um, and we, we sort of made the decision of like, hey, like there's enough here and people have been waiting long enough where we think doing it collectively feels like, like better of like, rather than giving you like, it's sort of like half a slice of cake, just be like, hey, just if you wait, like, two more months, we can do, we can sort of finish the swing and kind of get a lot more done. Um, and so, yeah, we made the call of like, hey, like, we'll, we'll sort of wait until we have, you know, a couple more things in uh, that sort of complete the package. Um, and, and yeah, started rolling it out. Um, and then even the rollout process is a bit of like, hey, like, we want to make sure that like, you know, teams are figuring out how to use it, they understand it, that there aren't any major bugs. Um, and so part of that is like, hey, it's progressively going out. Um, it's also the holidays. And so um, like the hope is that, you know, uh, it'll be out to like everyone like sometime in the new year. Um, but uh, yeah, it's been fun. Um, like there's so many things here too, where like um, the team was like very sort of uh, small and like very sort of nimble. Um, and so it was hmm. really like a very close partnership of like research and design where, um, and, and like engineering where like, it was just like a handful of us just like sitting in and talking to every, you know, every customer and like making tweaks like on the fly and like, sh like shipping things week to week. Um, and yeah, like I, I feel wow. like the, some of the best ideas came from, you know, engineers on the team who had like 
oh, like, you know, this animation sucks, and so I'm going to make that better. Or, like, <laughs> oh, I really wish we had this feature. Um, and, yeah, like, I, I feel like, you know, uh, like I, I feel like I see the marketing material that Figma puts out of, like, you know, pulling lots of folks into the design process. But I think there is something actually, like, it is very much part of, like, the company's DNA. And I think you sort of self-select mm-hmm. when you come work at Figma of, like, you have to, mm-hmm. even if you're not a product designer, you have some interest in design um, and some sort of thoughts on, like, what good design is. And I think that has also been very special for this project because we kind of all push each other of, like, oh, like, that that isn't good enough. And, like, let's, let's make that better. Yeah, that's really interesting. I can see how a project like this almost like requires prototyping to for you to be able to make good decisions, right? Because it not only is about like refining like an interface, but it's also about seeing how like how comments change, how that does that influence that your workflow, and is that something that it like applies across the board at Figma of like something that like, you know, you expect that designers are able to, to participate in that way with through prototyping, or is that something that's more like unique to this project? Um, Yeah. So it kind of depends, like, like not every feature needs like a lot of um, sort of like animation, like highly interactive sort of like prototyping. Um, but yeah, like I, I'd say like, mo- like most designers at the company know like how to prototype and incorporate it into their process. Um, I think we definitely put a lot of emphasis on testing things internally. Um, and so being able to say like, you know, Hey, you have this feature and, you know, in a, cr- in a crit, it might feel perfect, right? Perfect context, perfect, perfect sample content. Um, but when you turn it on for people and, you know, you're not explaining the feature to them. They just have to like figure it out. Um, like I think we have a pretty good culture of people uh, will like file feedback and be like, "Hey, like uh, I saw this. I don't know what this is. Um, <laughs> this is this is what was going through my head. Um, and like, can you help help me? Right? Um, and with comments, we I feel like you know a part part of my job was definitely not just designing the feature, but like just like trying to like collect like all of the you know customer feedback and the internal feedback and like try to turn that into you know something that we can like act on um because like especially with a tool there's just like so many edge cases um so like uh like this is like kind of like in the weeds but you know when you have a comment selected there's a nearly infinite number of things you can do at the same time like with selecting other tools designing things changing your window, other people doing things. And so we can't always predict what all of those cases are up front. Like we can try really hard. Um, but as soon as things are on staging, uh, which is like our internal version of uh, Figma, um, we can pretty quickly get a lot of people trying out a lot of random right. contexts and like figure out a lot of those details. Like I, I think we've spent a lot of time even on things like um, you know, different types of mice that people have. And so, for example, like, hmm. you know, I use this, like, magic mouse, um, and, you know, I pan and zoom in one particular way. Um, but if you use a, a trackpad, um, uh, and you don't use the sort of minus and plus keys to zoom in and out, then the way your zoom works is slightly different because you're smoothly zooming in and out. Um, and so we need to, like, accommodate, you know, how that works um, for that case. Um, I, and I might even have like a, you know, a 
different mouse setup where like I have a you know a, a special wheel to scroll in and out, and that also has its own sort of implications. And so catching all of those scenarios is is like very much like a uh, implementation detail, but it's like those implementation details definitely add up a lot um, when you're just sort of like using it. Like basically, like I don't want you to think about like, oh, it's like stopping panning when I pan across with my mouse because there's like, you know, some sort of object here that would be capturing the, the sort of pan event. And so there's like a lot of work behind the scenes to like make that as invisible as possible. If you ever need to test with a user who uses both a trackpad and a mouse at the same time, <laughs> give oh, me a yeah. call. <laughs> <laughs> it's the panning and the dragging at the same time. Do you really do that at the same time? Yeah, I mean... Oh, I do yeah, that sometimes okay. too. Click something, I'm dragging, and then I whoosh, whoosh, zoom out, pan, whoosh, here. Huh. Minority report stuff. I never even <laughs> knew you could do that. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, you, I want to go back to the prototyping thing mm -hmm. real quick. Um, you don't have to tell us exactly what tools you use and how to use them or whatever. But like, I personally have been... Uh, I feel like I have less and less patience to create... Uh, like highly pol polished prototypes that are not going to be implemented. Like it's not real code or not in the actual real device or whatever, uh, especially because it takes so long. I feel like I've lost that. Mm. I've lost that like quickly. I think my, the peak was framer classic. Yeah. Like I could very easily get that idea that I have in something that looks nice. Mm -hmm. uh, and right now, Lost it. And I've been using SwiftUI directly to prototype a lot of things. But then if it's uh, like now I've been working a lot with video and like video transitions and some effects and stuff, not so simple to do with SwiftUI or even possible <laughs> sometimes. So I feel like I've, I don't have that go-to tool that I feel super productive in. So at some point, like I just want to, hey, can I pair with the engineer? Like we'll do it together. Yeah. <laughs> like you use my eyes and my, you know, my instinct and we'll use your skills or whatever. Um, but that is still something that like, it's not really baked into our process right now. It's not like, yeah, we'll spend a day pairing. Um, that feels, I think it still feels like a waste of everyone's time a little bit. I don't think it is, but sometimes mm -hmm. you still get that. So how do you, how, how is that prototyping and testing thing in your process? You just yeah. go, out for you know use framer or you know directly in figma maybe or whatever it is and come back or is that or do you pair with anyone or i don't know yeah tell us a bit about that sure um yeah so my process is definitely unique um like i i nice. have i feel like i'm using the loom but like i, I definitely still use framer classic to like just like th like throw out ideas wow. um That's and i do it very much because like Oh, I've just spent a lot of time like building things in Framework Classic, and so it's just really fast for me. Um, I I always feel a little strange because like uh, when other folks like want to learn how to do that, like I I have to tell them like you cannot buy this anymore. Like would not recommend picking this up at this point. Um, but uh, it's an incredible tool, and I love it, and I use it all the time. Um, but uh, with that, like yeah, I like. At the start of a project, I'll just like, you know, explore a lot of ideas. And I feel like part of it is like understanding by trying things. And so, uh, like, I'll have like a Dropbox folder with like, you know, hundreds of framer prototypes of just exploring like how this can feel. 
and I'm not trying to understand like the edge cases or like how this works, but it's entirely aimed at like, how should this feel? Um, and then when we actually start moving into uh, like real code, um, like then like, like the, like there's definitely like that sort of like back and forth of like, oh, like here's how it feels in practice. Let's kind of tweak this or tweak that. Um, or let, let's write out a system of rules of exactly when we will animate this or exactly what you know key presses will trigger this or that. Um, but then there's also this level of uh, tweaking where, um, for example, we with comments, we have uh, some clustering logic. Um, and it, that basically is like, hey, when should two pins that are visible turn into one mm. sort of mega cluster? Mm. And then also when you click on that cluster, how far should you zoom in? Um, and that's like a problem of its own. And the way we tackled it was not by trying to define like a perfect set of rules, um, though we had like a sense of like what those might be, um, but we actually had a internal only sort of like settings panel where like all all these properties of like nice. what we could tweak um, are, are visible. And then we could open up like a real file and basically kind of slide like, hey, when these two pins are within, you know, X pixels of each other, like that's when they're going to form like one bigger bubble. And we learned a bunch of things about also like the zooming. So you might think like, hey, um, I have two pin I have a cluster and I click on it. Let's zoom in until, uh, you know, that has broken apart and the pins inside are, are within the viewport. And you can define how, how far that is. Um, and that feels like a reasonable definition. Um, but then when you use it in practice, what ends up happening is like, let's say we're doing a critique on like an icon that's like 32 pixels by 32 pixels. And I put a pin at like, you know, zero, zero, and you put a pin at, you know, zero, two. And what ends up happening is like when you click on that cluster, it'll zoom in so far that you're looking at like individual pixels of like your entire monitor. And so what we realized was like, hey, in a design context, 100% zoom is actually a meaningful level. And so in, in the logic, it actually accounts for that. And so um, if you zoom in past 100%, it just stops clustering. And so we define it as like, we're going to zoom into a cluster until the pins break apart. Um, and uh, because we've defined how it clusters in such a way that it respects a zoom level, um, you know, you'll never kind of zoom in so far that you can't understand what the mock is. Um, and so, yeah, it's fascinating. It's yeah. There's a whole tree of like things there. Yeah. And I feel like that's where so much of the design work must actually have been right on a thing that's like, Hey, if I show you a static mock-up like there you know you don't run into any of these problems but it's really through using it that you can that you can tell the difference and I, that kind of speaks to then like what you were saying about the 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 mapping references right of like that that problems that and ends up being similar to the problem of like hey there's a bunch of pins in a map when do we you know combine them together versus when do we show individual ones although like probably on a mapping you don't you're you don't have to expand them so it's actually an easier right. problem to, to solve it on the map um but one thing that i think is interesting there that i just kind of want to call out for anyone listening like i think that there's something super cool here about you looking at this problem and then reaching beyond sort of like the narrow field of competitors of like oh like what do other design tools do and thinking very broad about like this what this problem is about like this it's a yes like it's a commenting tool but it really it's a problem of how do you surface the most relevant information at a given 
zoom level kind of problem and then you you may actually find that problem in more places than you think yeah we also like thought a lot about like the pin shape right like um you know like we we've definitely thought about like should there be different types of comments for like to do's versus like you know copy edits versus just general discussion and things like that um and we like you know explored like should the pin shape vary based on those different contexts. And like the reason why we picked this particular pin shape is like, A, it still has like a point. And so you can still do like pixel level uh, conversations. Um, but you might notice that it's a little bit funny that it tilts to one side. And that's so that we can like have that preview animation um, and like still have it always feel like this like chat bubble. Um, because like the, the aim is definitely more oriented towards um, these like conversations. Yeah, I thought it was a really... Clever take. It's like it's a pin, but also a chat bubble. It's it's both, kind of somewhere in the middle, a little bit of both. Uh, I want to call out the you you just mentioned animation. Uh, when when we had uh, Jenny in in uh, Kien to talk about FigGem, definitely a more playful product from Figma. Very different. Like you had the animations, even a little. Uh, toolbar doc thing like that you know, i had this way the more other playful. day where I, I was just shaking my cursor and then it, it like started waving uh-huh. <laughs> which is super, super cute that was a lot of that and i remember in that in that episode in that show we said i want more of this in figma proper the tool also and i feel like this is this is definitely one step in that direction like ooh, okay is this is this the first time we see animation in figma the tool uh maybe Maybe not. Actually, I can't. I can't think of any other places. Maybe it is. I don't know if you know that top of your head, but it definitely felt like oh, okay. They're pushing the brand style guide. Uh, like what, what's you know, it's more playful. It's it's not crazy playful like Fake Gem, as it probably shouldn't be. But but um, it was really really nice to see that. Was this a very intentional thing? Is this? Can we assume this is you know a move part of a bigger brand i don't know style or <laughs> i don't know i don't want to like get my hopes up but this this felt good <laughs> oh thanks yeah i mean i definitely feel like we don't uh or like we're very careful about animation um so especially in the editor where you're like going through a thing repeatedly like any small thing can like feel really slow or really annoying very quickly um one f- sort of philosophy that we had with this project was like um, you know, anything that is tied to a user action. So like a, a thing that you do and you're manipulating a thing, we want we want either no animation or as sort of small animation as possible and like trying to keep it as quick as possible. Um, so for example, when you hover over a thing and we expand to show a preview, like that timing is like really fast and it goes in and out because you're probably peeking through a lot of comments very quickly. Um, whereas like if a thing is trying to get your attention and it's like a thing that's motivated by someone or triggered by someone else, right? Like someone else is trying to get your attention. Um, those are, you know, a little more gratuitous, a little slower um, because like they're there, the intent there is to like draw your attention to like a new thing um, or help you sort of understand what's happening. Um, and so like, yeah, I, I think it's like, we definitely will use animation, but it has to have like, um, like an intent there. Um, and I think with the design tool, like the bar for um, sort of like playfulness is like, like, hey, it has to provide like a f- like more utility than with FigJam where 
like the the playful nature of that product is also really important for like hey if you're in a brainstorm mm -hmm. that that sets the tone of like everything you're doing um, in a different way. Good point. I I one of my favorite little byproducts I think I mean byproduct maybe it was incredibly intentional. Um, it feels just as a byproduct of the fact that you now comments the the pins are removed from the common editor mode. Um, so you don't have to turn on comments to see where the comments, the pins are. It, I found myself already using it almost like annotations yeah. instead of just before I was just dropping text blocks like above frames and saying, by the way, this is something, something. And then I would get my iPad and draw an error and then copy that error and then paste it as a PNG. Um, I need arrows. <laughs> uh, now I've been using these comments a lot more uh, to, to annotate uh, designs because it's, it's very easy to just hover, right, and just like get get the context, and also still fairly easy to to turn them off if they're, if they're getting becoming too distracting. Was this, I guess, how intentional was this? Oh yeah, I, I've had sleepless nights about that, um, and <laughs> it was definitely like, oh, that was like one of the riskiest parts of this entire project. Um, mm -hmm. And when we, you know, initially were kind of like discussing it internally, we had a lot of debate of like is that a good call or not to like have pins visible by default? Um, and you know, you can play the argument of like, hey, if I'm a designer and a design tool, I just want absolute focus and um, to always hide comments until I'm ready for them. Um, but the realization was that like, when they are hidden, even if you know they are there, um, you kind of tend to ignore them or forget about them. Mm -hmm. And what that meant was like when an engineer or a PM or a researcher or a writer would like leave a comment, um, you know, most of the time, even if like they had the best of intentions, like designers would never see them or respond to them. Um, and that just sort of broke confidence, like across the board of like, Hey, if I leave a comment, I don't actually believe that other people will ever see this. Um, and so if you talk to people and you, you ask them like, Hey, do you want things covering your canvas? They'll probably, you know, say no. Um, but if you ask them, Hey, if you leave a comment, do you want to make sure that like other designers see that, they'll say absolutely yes. Um, and so a bit of it is like sort of managing this sort of like almost like social contract. And what we realized from like just lots of use of like both internally and with like some of the teams that have been testing it is that it net is it feels better to like have them visible when you open a file. Um, but we just tried to include as many controls to hide them as we possibly could. Um, so you can press like shift C to do it really quickly. Um, but it's also like available, like if you like right click or go through the various menus um, to like hide comments. And so you can still focus if you you know need to and you want to clear the canvas. Um, mm -hmm. But just being aware that there are comments there um, up front means that you're much more likely um, to actually have like healthy conversations with your team um, where like people are going back and forth and you know resolving issues as opposed to um, sort of like you know, throwing the thing and like it like disappears into the ether, never to be seen again. Um, yeah, and it's it's definitely like a tricky trade-off, um, but it's like one where I think we have to be sort of principled and say like this is what we believe um, and uh, bake that into the feature. I think this only works because of that little hover preview. Yeah, and the fact that it can also quickly just mark something as not complete. What 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 is it? Um, you can like resolve or mark as unread. Resolved. There you go. I think that 
then it's okay, right? Even if it's just like hiding the, you know, it's it's the keyboard shortcut is Shift C. You're really saying like, you know, very important one. <laughs> you don't have to do a lot of like finger gymnastics to get it. No, no, no. Shift C. Um, that that I think that makes it okay. Not okay. Like okay, all of a sudden, yes, positive, better. I want it. So yeah, and it's interesting yeah. that that decision was sort of a. Uh, maybe like an unexpected one or like a counterintuitive one uh, like that it, it's sort of an example of if you ask like what you ask as a question to your users say you're doing user testing can really influence the direction that your product goes in into and so how whenever you're talking to users that way like how do you phrase the right questions to ask them to make sure you get the most useful sort of feedback as possible. Because you mentioned, like, you got a lot of feedback on this. Like, yeah. you shared it very broadly. How do you ask the right questions to, to get Do you it? want a faster horse? <laughs> yeah. I mean, so, like, honestly, that it was, like, entirely, like, Krista, who was, like, a researcher on this project. And, like, I think she just did, like, a ton of work to not only, like, you know, conduct interviews like this where we're talking about pretty, pretty tricky trade-offs. Um, but also like sort of collecting feedback even outside of the interview context of like, hey, we turned it on for your team. You're, you've been using it. Like we're going to ask you a bunch of questions, ask you to fill out a bunch of uh, surveys. Um, we actually did some exercises with people in FigJam where they sort of collected sticky notes like throughout the week of like, here are things that I was frustrated by or things that were great. Um, and all of that sort of like fed it directly into, um, you know, like, how we built the feature. Like, like a small example is, uh, you know, with this like hiding comments thing, um, one, one scenario that people have is like, hey, I'm, you know, rushing into a meeting, I need to present my screen, and I'm like gonna walk, you know, a bunch of important people through my design work. Um, and in those cases, people often press like, you know, command slash or command period to show hide UI. And in those cases, it was like, oh, crap, like, what's the shortcut to hide comments? Um, and what we realized was like, hey, we should just hide comments by default if you go into show hide UI. Um, mm. Because like, you're probably like really stressed, you're, you're screen sharing, you're not thinking about comments. And so like, hiding those by default meant that like, in those cases, like those moments of, of stress are like alleviated. And you can still bring it back, you can press shift C again and toggle them back on if you really mm. want them to. Um, but a lot of the defaults there are like coming from like, you know, hearing stories of like people panicking or like hitting moments of frustration and us trying to really anticipate those and set, you know, good precedents. Right. And leveraging behaviors that I already have to kind of like build on top of that to, to be like, okay, we know the context you're in when you press command period. And, you know, in that context, you probably don't want comments. Right. And, to go back to what you said about like trying to draw inspiration from your peers and even broader, it's interesting like hiding UI is something I never had to do or wanted to do and when I was using Sketch, for example, because you're not sharing your screen really. Like the time I used Sketch didn't really overlap with sharing my screen. Like now mm -hmm. everyone does that all the time, <laughs> but we didn't as much back then. Um, so now all of a sudden, like, yeah, it's just the same type of tool, but in a different world. Right, so that also motivates different behaviors and like needs from from users. Um, that's a, that's a really good point. I think this this whole thing of like comments and showing them in the editor by default, it goes into 
this this like almost like like DNA of Figma, at least how I perceive Figma in <laughs> Figma is like this is you can do whatever. It's it's a very free, not opinionated tool kinda. Um especially when you compare and contrast like say with Sketch where it's like, no, you kinda want to use it this way and like presentation mode is this way no 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 we we think the inspector and like handoff should be in a different ui which is you know it's it's um it's a very different take i feel like figma is like we're going to provide you tools and the tools are going to try to be as abstract and and flexible as maybe we can and then like i've never seen a tool i don't think being um like having seen users kind of take it and define it as much uh, like the first time I saw someone run a Zen crit in Figma, I was like, "What is happening here?" <laughs> like with with adding the, the sticky notes and stuff, is like, "What is happening?" In the little dots, like, "All right, everyone, drag dots to vote or something." I was blown. <laughs> it was blow away. <laughs> I was like, "What is happening? This is incredible!" Uh, and then that probably way paved the way into fig- what Fig Jam is today. It was a little bit like you saw how people were using Figma. Like, no, we can make that better. Um, I feel like this is very much goes in in that same realm of like this is comments. I'm sure people will use this in different ways, in different contexts, and maybe if a particular particular thing gets too popular, maybe we'll optimize or help users who try to use it that way. But it felt very much like like that. I'm like, oh, okay, this is Figma being Figma, but now with animation, <laughs> cool. No, like I. I feel like the community is like very strong with like Figma in like a way that is like feels like actually very special. Where, I, like again, like f- you know, I start my day and I'll like just scroll through like all the feedback that's coming in. Like sometimes I just like scroll through Twitter and like scroll through like any mention of like Figma. You would not also believe the number of like collectible model figurines I see um, <laughs> because of that. Um, but. Um, but yeah, it's like a like people have like lots of like hey like you know I wish Figma worked like this um, like style feedback and um, yeah th- th- there's this like pool of like oh there's so many things that like you know I want want to make better or like you know other people on the team are making better and there's so little time of like oh like we can only you know do so so much. Um, but, um, that pool is there and I feel like that makes it very clear of like what, what needs attention and what can kind of wait for a little bit. Um, and you know, some things are obviously like harder than others. Um, and so, you know, uh, you know, I've, I've definitely listened to all the things that you, you both have sort of like, you know, talked about on, on layout. Um, and some of those things are like, uh, you know, uh, hard um but you know they're they're definitely not things that we are ignoring um or or doing because we don't think they are good things to do um but because like there are um other like trade-offs or other implications that need to be thought through in order to get there but i i guarantee you that um people are listening and are thinking very deeply about many of those things yeah yeah i'd be surprised <laughs> if like most people inside of figma aren't 10 times more critical than any of us can be on the outside and have oh, already yeah. probably debated all the things <laughs> that we're talking about over and over again we have no context <laughs> well one aspect of this feature that i think is interesting is the ability to sort of comment over a general area versus a specific point 
can you oh, yes. talk a bit about like what was the inspiration behind that and like how that came about yeah so i think that was actually like one of those moments where it just kind of came from discussions within the team like um an engineer on the team michael just sort of had this like slack message of like you know like hey we're, we're working on comments but like i really wish we could do you know a comment over an area and i think part of the ethos was like hey like that's that's a great idea it's not on our roadmap but like yeah like let's let's figure it out try it out and he built a prototype really quickly and then as we kind of played with it it was like oh like this is this is really helpful like there, there's lots of cases where you know i might be talking about like you know here are three icons and i want to talk about these two or like hey we have like a whole presentation and i want you to focus on you know these 12 slides and i want you to zoom out all the way to like focus there um and so as we turned used it internally it was like you know this isn't a thing you necessarily use for every single file um, but when it's helpful it's really really helpful um and so it sort of became very clear of like, hey, like with a little bit more work, we think we can ship this. And so we did that work. Um, yeah. And yeah, so that's really yeah, interesting. It's like kind of uh, like very collaborative. Yeah, because I, I mean, I often am the person leaving comments into other people's files. And it's like sometimes the precision of being able to place it exactly where you want is important. But sometimes they're like, I'm commenting on this as a whole yeah. and I always kind of feel, yeah, I kind of always kind of feel awkward of like, okay, where do I put the, the comment bubble? And yeah. so now having this ability to be like, okay, I am being explicit here. This is about this entire thing uh, is really nice and not necessarily something I would have thought of. So that that's why I thought that was really cool that like, you know, you you guys created this because I was like, yes. Like, as soon as I saw it, I was like, yes, that's what I want. But I didn't know that that's what I wanted before I saw it. So yeah. it was very clever. We also definitely thought about, like, you know, should we have the idea of being able to comment without putting it somewhere on the canvas? Like, should you be able to comment, like, on a page or on an entire file and things like that? Um, and I think those are, like, really interesting ideas and, like, I think are, are, are worth continuing to think about um but practically just from like seeing how people end up doing things it's like you usually see people will pick like a significant corner of like the top left or the top right right, and like leave their like high level feedback there um and so like that's like one of those situations where oh like the things that we have there feel like they're achieving that goal um and you know creating a new concept of a comment without a pin um actually would you know, have a bunch of other kind of trade-offs of like discoverability, where, where does that live? Um, sorts of, sorts of questions. Um, and so part of it is like, where do we introduce new features and add new like complexity of like things you need to know about or learn versus where do we say like, Hey, like the concepts we've introduced are flexible enough and powerful enough where like, that's a good sort of temporary stopping point where like, uh, people will be able to achieve like you know, the 80% of what they're trying to do with what we have today. Yeah, I think you got the right right trade-off there because at least most of the files I'm in are big enough that leaving a comment for an entire file would just not necessarily be productive. <laughs> so yeah. having some kind of direction, I think, is helpful. When we're recording for almost an hour, uh-huh. we should probably start wrapping this up. I want to be respectful of your time. <laughs> is there anything 
that you would like us to have asked you or to ask you? <laughs> Is there anything you would like to talk about that we maybe skipped or? Uh, nothing in particular that's like coming to mind. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think we've covered a lot of ground. Yeah. Yeah, this is yeah. So you said it, this is going to be available for everyone, maybe sometime next year, early next year, right? Uh, yeah, so it's rolling out. So, like, fingers crossed, it should be out to everyone in January. Um, so just in okay. time for like, yeah, New Year. Cool. I'm curious to hear how do you prepare for launches like this, like thing features to roll out publicly, knowing that. We've uh, documented how designers are the worst <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and we'll have a lot of feedback, a lot of comments, a lot of, you know, who knows, podcasts get created, you know, that just happens. How do you sort of like mentally prepare for a thing to launch and like how do you how do you kind of approach that and getting a, a whole new wave of, of feedback and, and use cases and suggestions? And how much of that time was to to make those animations for the tweets. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so the feedback is definitely like, um, I mean, so, you know, early on we thought about like, hey, you know, we could, you know, roll this out to some percentage of people and like, you know, just turn it on um, and, you know, not really tell anyone until it was like going out to like more than 50% of people. Um, but the the thing that we were worried about was like, hey, we want to make sure like, people understand uh, what's new, They that we have updated help articles, like, you know, if you need to understand something in depth, that all of that's there. Um, and so we, we sort of announced it, like, as soon as, like, we were turning it on for, like, a sizable percentage of people. Um, and we included, like, a super large, like, if you have feedback, like, please, like, file it here. And, like, the team just reads all of that. Um, and it, so it's, like, basically, like, trying to explicitly collect as much feedback as we can. Um, and there's like things, things that we, we, we know about and there are new things that we've, we've heard even in like the last few weeks. Um, and so like that gives us a chance to sort of, you know, consider that feedback, you know, catch any bugs that people are hitting um, and make sure that like before the majority of people like, like, like get everything that we feel like as, you know, great as you know, humanly possible. Um, um, before turning it on and you know you two have both like had it for um like hopefully like a few days now um and like yeah. hopefully they like you know it feels good to both of you um please don't take it away from me yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now i'm used to it i can't go back so yeah i, I personally I go i'm gonna like say this on on record i love this new feature oh. i think like the amount of thought that went into this is incredible and inspirational i think like i strive to do work that reaches that sort of level and so it's been really great to to have you on the show and like learn a bit more about what went into making it oh thanks for having me yeah <laughs> plus one of that uh like it just made, it makes me the so excited about the future like oh okay if this is this is, this is getting better and better and better and you know hiring you was like it's like oh okay <laughs> We're good. <laughs> this is good. We're still hiring. So figma.com slash careers. <laughs> if anyone wants to work with me. Shout out. Yeah. Um, please. Yeah. People listening to this. Wow. What a team. Do apply. Uh, all right. Before we go, Ryan, you know, we have to do this. Uh, we have to do recommendations. Oh, actually, Kevin, we didn't do follow up. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Crap. Um, we, we have a single piece of follow up. We can do it now. We can, let's do it now. 
we have a single piece of follow-up, the most important, maybe. Last week, we we mentioned the quiz, Are You a Kevin or Are You a Rafa? That a friend of the show, Dave Darns, put together. And we put a, put out a poll to ask our listeners to take the quiz and then let us know. Like, what kind of listeners do we have? Is it a bunch of Kevins or a bunch of Rafas? <laughs> <laughs> and so the results are in. Uh, before we get to the results, Ryan, did you take the did you take the quiz? I'm sorry, I did not. But I did listen to the okay. episode. Wait, we should we should give you the link and have you fill this out now. The people have spoken, <laughs> and seventy-one uh, percent of our listeners are Kevin's. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually unexpected. Oh yeah, I mean, I thought I thought I had everyone with a coffee question, and you know, <laughs> <laughs> it turns out the coffee alone was not enough to to, to save me. Um, yeah, uh, so congratulations, listeners. Uh, and for the for the twenty nine percent of Rafas out there, um, you know we're we're a minority, but a special one. It makes us special, right? So, Kevin, any 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 you're, anything? You're to the say? rebels. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, I feel very uh, vindicated. <laughs> the Kevin population is uh, is ruling the layout kingdom. Uh, mm. and, uh, <laughs> No, it was it was kind of funny, like hearing people fill out the the quiz and then like give us their answers. And I think some people ended up being uh, really sad to be a Kevin, given my <laughs> take on <laughs> Lord of the Rings in the last episode. Yep. Uh, but that's okay. That's okay. You're you're still. A this Kevin. is the type of people you are. See, <laughs> people who hate on the Lord of the Rings. But yeah, I think a lot of people were like. Uh, I I demand that a new question be added. <laughs> yep. So it's really funny. That's funny. Yeah, I just took the quiz. quiz. Yeah, I ended up being a Kevin. There you go. Wow. <laughs> so another one. Wow. It's a, yeah. Boom. It's okay. You're 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 statistically uh, not an anomaly. So you know. Great. Yep. Checks out. <laughs> so funny. Okay. Well, uh, the poll is closed, but the quiz is still out there. If you still want to take it, um, I wish we had like analytics on this, like just getting the all the results. Um, yeah, maybe so, Dave yeah. has some some analytics on it. I don't know. Maybe. We hey, Dave. Just, you know, let us know. Release the tapes. <laughs> <Let us> know. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Cool. Should we do recommendations? Let's do recommendations. Um, is everyone ready? By the way, just checking. I'm always ready. Yeah. Okay. So Ryan. <laughs> As our as, as our guest, it's, do you want to go first? Uh, sure. So, like, oh, putting him on the spot. I mean, I, that's why I asked if everyone was ready. You know, I can He's also ready. go if that's easier. I can go. Uh, so, like, I feel like a designer is always like recommending like very designy things, but I have like a non-design design thing. And yes. a thing that I recently got is this thing called a, a Pioneer lever belt. And like my friends will make fun of me for talking about this, um, but it's a weightlifting belt. Um, but I, I think it's, it's actually really smart design, and I'll give you a link to it. Um, yeah, but basically, please, please. when lifting, you want sort of a really rigid, sort of tight belt, um, and all of those properties make it sort of very fiddly to put on. Um, and so, yep. like, if you've ever tried one, you'll see people like leaning one way against a, a squat rack. It's 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 not great. Um, and what I love about this is like. It, I think it came out like a few years ago, but it's like basically you kind of screw it in and there's this metal kind of clasp that is like really precise. It feels like really well machined. It's really easy to put on and off. Um, It definitely looks like 
kind of intense. And so like, I, I feel a little bit strange, like walking down the street carrying this thing. Um, but it's like, I think one of the best design things that I've like seen recently, um, and has nothing to wow. do with design. That's amazing. Design is yeah, how it works. Share the link. Yeah. I, I think I found it. Uh, I'll have a link in the show notes. Uh, yeah, that looks yeah. great. Actually, I've been, uh, we talked about it a little bit on the show. I'm trying to not be annoying about it because, you know, people <laughs> <laughs> bragging about going to the gym is never that fun to, to hear about. But uh, we get it. You go to the gym. <laughs> I've been, yeah, I've been going to the gym like way more than I ever have in my life. Um, and I don't know if it's just a particular gym that I go to or it's just like it's the one moment in my day where I'm like my brain is maybe engaged, uh, maybe not less, but is yeah. maybe in a different way where I'm constantly thinking about like UX problems <laughs> like my gym. Of like the way you set the the weights and the machine, the way you know putting on the stupid belt, the, like so many of these things. So this is actually right up my alley. <laughs> so, Should designers gym? Yeah, apparently, yeah. <laughs> my God, I would have. I would love to like talk to the owner of my gym and be like, I have a million recommendations of things we can make better in this gym. <laughs> so yeah no this is really cool kevin do you want to go next all right i'll go next so i have i guess uh, through random luck uh become the biggest elgato fan uh so as i talked about elgato uh was it last week or the week before i got the their uh mic arm that's like a low profile mic arm that's like super sturdy and super nice um and then one of the things that's just been like running in the back of my mind for uh, the past little while is how like the way my office is set up, um, it's sort of in a hallway and then there's like a huge window sort of like on the other side. I'm pointing <laughs> right now, but nobody can see. But, um, and then what it means is like there's a point in the day where there's a ton of sunlight on the bookshelf behind me, which makes it like super, super bright. And the camera is really struggling to like keep the um, you know the exposure of the camera, and so I end up being it's actually super bright, but I end up being like a silhouette <laughs> in my yeah. video calls. And I was like, you know what? After what like almost two years of <laughs> you know being on these video calls, I should probably fix this problem. Like I kept kept like hoping like uh oh, maybe i could buy like some other lamp or something but then i was just like i was talking to a coworker actually and he was telling me about his setup how he's using this like key light and all of this and i was like you know what fuck it like let me let me let me do it um so i bought the elgato key light um which is a little bit more expensive like you can definitely find cheaper options on amazon uh but the thing that's nice about that one is that it connects over wi-fi uh, and the setup is actually really cool like you you essentially it shows up as like a a wi-fi um sort of endpoint essentially like once it's plugged into your home and then you click it and then it like it does a pairing where it connects it uh and then you have an app on your mac and you can essentially control you know whether it's on or off and control the white balance and the intensity right from your menu bar um the integration is really nice and actually makes quite a big difference. Um, so 
I feel like I've really upgraded the the level of quality of my all my uh, my video calls. And given that I'm in video calls like literally all day every day, um, I think it's it's well worth it. Looks quite intense. It looks good. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really nice. Same same idea as the 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 arm. It's incredibly sturdy, very reliable. Yeah, no complaints. I'm uh, I'm just happy to. To be here for the ride of like Kevin <laughs> figured out that he can get nicer things in his work setup. I know. <laughs> just, just well, keeps going. I'm I'm loving this. Well, this is what I was saying. Like the next level for me is to get a DSLR for mm. as my webcam. <laughs> that's kind of the next <sighs> level, and I'm not sure that I'm quite ready for that yet because that's mm-hmm. like a whole other level of clunkiness uh and like nerdery i did look at whether i i would be able to just to try to hook up my uh mirrorless like my old olympus camera and turns out i I guess it's too old Uh, they do support some cameras but not this one i think there may be something some kind of dongle i can get that can turn any camera into like a webcam but again, I'm like, do I really want to do this? Do I not want to do that? I don't know. I feel like maybe give me another year <laughs> and I'll be talking about how I did it. I eventually came to that conclusion and just did it. My camera doesn't have video out, so I guess that that one dongle wouldn't uh, yeah, that would you need video out. out. Yeah, I guess. Um, yeah, I think that, that having a DSLR or something, it's it crosses a threshold of visual weight to your yeah. setup that uh, <laughs> sure. I'm not as comfortable. But But... I'm also not super satisfied with the webcam quality. I backed this one, uh, like an Indiegogo thing. I think it's called Lumina. It's like a, oh, I think it's like I a saw webcam, this. fancy webcam, supposedly, that looks good. <laughs> um, it's already it's already shipped, so I don't know when it will get here, but soon. So I can, I guess I can. Oh, actually, that's not the one I back. saw. No, but did you see that Lumina or something? Yeah, that looks yeah that looks okay. I don't know it the one okay. the one I saw the camera looked amazing, but then they showed the examples of like here's the standard camera and here's this one and I was like, there's almost no difference. <laughs> like, I actually yeah. don't see a big difference here. Uh, but this one, I mean, the the quality seems good. Yeah, I think I remember that one. It's like a yeah, industrial design was super fancy, super cool. But then it had like a little cover too, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I don't know what the name of it. Maybe at this point yeah. we should we shouldn't even name it. <laughs> We're not saying good <laughs> things about it, but I haven't tried it, so I don't know. Maybe it's just the example images that they used. But um, yeah, yeah. I have a, a supposedly 4K webcam, like a Logitech Dingus. But I don't know. Like <laughs> I don't see the 4K. Uh, you know, I think 4K, and I'm thinking like 4K movies, and those don't look. This doesn't look anything like that in terms of resolution. I don't know where those Ks are going, but it's not it's not to Zoom for sure. <laughs> okay. Uh, my recommendation is way more boring and nerdier than y'all. I mean, nerdier in terms of just computers and stuff. Um, do y'all know how some folders on your Mac, you know, Mac OS have a little, like, decalk in the actual icon folder, like a little icon or something, like your downloads folder or yep. your movies folder. Uh, I always love that style. And I remember, like, well, a couple of years back, I tried to make my own and try to mimic that style, like embossed or whatever it's called, um, in that paper textual folder. I 
actually got like I was pretty happy with the result, and it took a lot of time to make, but it was pretty happy. But then I realized like, oh shit, wait, the folders switch like dark mode and light mode is a different type of folders. I guess I had to do one for dark mode, but there's no way to make the icon switch if you make a custom icon. Anyway. But I really like that go, uh, that look to customize your folders. So there's this app called Image Two Icon, and a two is like the number two. So what this does is it, it gives you um, it's it's an easy way to customize to create custom icons. And so not only can you just drag, let's say, let's say a picture or something, or you can even like drag a PNG with like no background maybe, and then you have a bunch of styles to create custom icons so you can do this i just mentioned like having a folder with a little embossed icon uh but you can also create like you know the drives icon with like the custom oh yeah in the drive oh that's cool you can hear you can have like a little uh cd uh jewel case type of thing you can have there's a lot of little styles like a lot of them classic mac os like old school icon styles and, and they're all customizable. It's really cool. And then, like, for these embossed things, you could just type in, like, text if you want. So a folder with a, a word embossed in it. Um, you can create your own icon in PNG, like, with an alpha channel and upload and all that. But I also found out that in the text input field, you can paste uh, SF symbol. Nice. So if you just want an icon for a folder, just paste in the SF symbol um and then you can just drag a folder to that same window the app window and it will just update that so i've done that to a bunch of like little folders i have on my dock like one for a mood board one for like to share quickly share a link and they all have custom icons and i think i haven't checked but uh they work in dark mode so that's cool um that's it it's so the app is free but like it has limited set of customization I remember I paid for it. It's like a single one in uh, single in app purchase. I think for like five or nine bucks or something. Um, but it's cool. It's a very old school customizing your OS. <laughs> <type of thing. laughs> yeah, you, you should send me a screenshot of the the folders that you customized, and I'll have a link in the show notes. Uh, it's quite boring, but sure. Do, I, do you all I'm sure like... people will want to see. I'm surprised you have folders in your dock. I I feel like that would drive me nuts. <laughs> Yeah, you don't. No. <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh, here. Wait. I'll share a screenshot. Ryan, where do you put your downloads? Oh, yeah. I have downloads, but that's like the exception. But like, oh, I wouldn't okay. have like, I wouldn't have like a random folder. <laughs> okay, I don't know how random mine are, but okay, here's my folders that I have in my dock. Uh, and by the way, I turn off that thing of like having a separate section in the dock for recent or for mm-hmm. whatever. So oh I have yeah, classic yeah, you have to dock. Um, so I have trash downloads, classic, and then I have one I call share link, and I use this more when I was using Dropbox. I just like if I wanted to share a file with someone, just drag to that folder, and automatically get a link. Um, so now I use that, but with iCloud Drive, I guess I stop using Dropbox. Um, then I have another one for mood board, and this is just like shit that I find. It's almost like a replacement yeah. for Ember. Remember that? Same. Just yeah, stuff that I that. find. <laughs> even like links, I'll just drag the little five icon or whatever. Really? Thing. I'll just drag stuff to that pay, to that folder in my dock. It's just a way for me to collect stuff. To be honest, I almost never go back <laughs> to like actually go through the stuff I saved, but it's saved. Sometimes I'm like, yeah, yeah that, that cool. Um, remember the mailbox Mac beta coin system oh, yeah, yeah. thing? I, I saved that. those dribble posts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're there and then lastly i have a gifts folder i still use gifts 
from my file system like a like like it's 2012 baby <laughs> yeah uh, <right> so, <laughs> well, so yeah, those I have are a folders. lot of folders yeah that's yeah. a lot i mean but i also have a large monitor big monitor it's fine not to way to brag yeah <laughs> it's you know it, it's not like overwhelming Ra- rafa's fine. monitor is bigger than yours because <laughs> i <laughs> Because, like, uh, I, I think like, classic Mac, like Leopard, you had a bunch of folders in there. So trash downloads, for sure. You had documents in there. You had applications there count. before the Launchpad. Yeah, I Fine. still have trash applications account. in my... Do- I See, don't actually use it very often, but it's there. <laughs> but it used to have, like, at least three folders in there. So having three folders in there doesn't strike me as, like, that's a lot, that's a lot of folders. That's always how my doc looked, I guess. See, okay. <laughs> well, what a tangent. Cool. Uh, all right, that's it for recommendations. That's it for our show. This is a super fun one. Ryan, thank you so much for joining us. Absolute pleasure. Please come back. Yes, like, please. Soon. Totally. Again. Uh, and anytime you work on something, ship something, or just want to have a thought that you want to talk to us about, we, you know, be happy to have you. Uh, before before we go, Ryan, is there any place, anything you'd like to plug, or any? you know your twitter or anything people might be interested in or i don't know where can people find you uh yeah i'm on twitter at r-y-h-a-n hassan um but yeah uh, aside from that uh you should also apply to figma if you're at all interested <laughs> nice you definitely should we're gonna put links for all this stuff in the show notes uh including the figma careers page <laughs> and our website layout.fm Kevin rewrote the back end. You know, ch- check it. Also, I have a funny story about how I almost uh, ran over a quota for the usage of CMS by accident. Anyways. Oh my god! Okay, uh, it's all good. It's all good. It's under control now. Okay, but, uh, do we still have a show? I made I made a, I made a terrible mistake <laughs> that I fixed. It. Okay, after dark. Uh, yeah, check our website. We have uh, that's an easy way to find all the links for all the stuff we talked about. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at layoutfm. Um, you can follow me at Rafahari. Kevin is at Vernal Kick, and Ryan is uh, at Ryan Hassan, uh, spelled R Y H A N Hassan. And uh, our huge thanks to our sponsor once again, Play, for sponsoring this week's episode of, of Layout. Go to createwithplay.com to learn more. And uh, yeah, all right, uh, folks, I'll talk to y'all uh, soon on the internet. Happy holidays. All I hope right. y'all taking some yeah. taking a break. Cheers. Cool. Bye. 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 funny hearing you both say bye to each other uh just like without outro music it's very it's very like all <laughs> oh, right <laughs> yeah uh. <laughs> it's it's uh 10 times more awkward for sure <laughs>